Hey everyone, welcome back to the Triune Podcast. I'm glad to have you back. My guest for this episode is Brendan Kennedy. Brendan Kennedy is the founder of Master Talk, and he's a professional communication coach. Uh, me and Brendan Kennedy talked for a while. I, I had him on the show for about 30 minutes and gave him some rapid-fire questions. And we talked about public speaking, we talked about communicating, we talked about giving presentations, and we even talked about what it would look like to give a fantastic wedding speech. Brendan Kennedy has been helping a lot of people in corporate America improve their communication skills, their delivery skills, their presentation skills, and just overall leadership in communicating. I was really impressed with Brendan Kennedy when I discovered him because he has a great deal of content on YouTube, uh, weekly tips talking about how you can actually become a better speaker or a better communicator, and it's actually a craft that I think not a lot of people are aware of, and I'm super impressed that he's taken the time to master this craft in this area of life because I think for myself and everybody else, we all know that public speaking is typically the greatest fear most people have. And so Brendan Kennedy has taken it upon himself to, you know, become a communication coach and help you conquer that fear. So you can find Brendan Kennedy on Master Your Talk on Instagram. You can also find him on YouTube. And I think he also has a podcast, but you'll have to look that up. Brendan Kennedy also um, is a member of The Spring, which is Charity Water. It's an organization that their mission is to give clean water to everybody in the world. It's a very simple mission to get behind. Everybody agrees that everyone should have clean water, and that is one of his initiatives that he's taken upon himself. So, without further ado, let's get to the episode. But right before that, if you like the episodes and this podcast has been a blessing to you, Obviously, like and subscribe, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, follow us on YouTube and all the other uh, podcast platforms, uh, stay up to date with what's going on, and also if you feel like supporting, there is a donation page in the uh, link of my bio, there's a donation page on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash George Shadburn. Other than that, thank you guys so much for your support, I'm really passionate about this, I'm passionate about what's going on here, and I just want to be able to bless people with these conversations. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. This is Brendan Kennedy with Master Your Talk, and this is the Triune Podcast. this can you hear me now you're good you're good i can hear you now how's it going man going good i had to switch up microphones there but i'm glad to have you on finally likewise man. what was their name sorry i saw triune podcast yeah 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 so uh the triune podcast is the name of the podcast it's the old latin word for the trinity but oh, cool. my name is uh, george that's what what's up george that's my name but yeah man thank you for coming on i uh 
I was looking up your content on YouTube and I think I slipped into it for about three hours because it was like endless pieces of advice about public speaking. Thank you. Man. And Appreciate to be honest, I wanted to just say this real quick. I think it's like, it, for one, for me, uh, it's really fascinating that a lot of people have talked about, you know, overcoming fears and everything. But one of the most common fears out there is the fear of public speaking. And so for you to be tackling this head on and giving people all of this content to help build their self-esteem and their ability to public speak, I think is awesome. But obviously, I just want to hand it over to you and uh, be able to introduce yourself and talk about, you know, Master Talk and, and why you've uh, decided to choose this path of helping people reach their potential in the public speaking area. For sure, George. It's really kind of you to say. But yeah, like you said, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talks, a YouTube channel I started to help folks out with their communication skills and public speaking. And, and for me, how it started was when I was in university. I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were, you know, playing sports like basketball or hockey or some other dangerous thing I probably shouldn't be doing. I was applying that same competitive energy, but to presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times, coached dozens of people on communication, really to get a job in corporate. And that's what I did. Got a job in corporate after I graduated. But then I asked myself a question, which is how do you make a difference in the world? How do I make a better change in the world around us? And that's when I had the idea for Master Talk because I realized a lot of the content on public speaking online is really bad. You hear advice like, oh, you should like be yourself and follow your dreams. I was like, this is nonsense. So I started making videos in my mother's basement. One thing led to another and here we are today. Wow, that's really cool. So um, a couple of questions that I put together that is uh, kind of more answering questions for me personally. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, like the top three things that you would say like right off the top of your head that most people get wrong about public speaking and things that people could literally just start doing today just to uh, be able to give themselves a little bit more of an edge as far as standing in front of people and just giving a presentation. Yeah, for sure. So the first one is probably the definition of the word. You know, most people think of public speaking like, oh, I got to present in front of 10,000 people. Even I haven't presented it in front of a couple of hundred. And I'm the so-called communication expert, right? For me, communication and public speaking is about interaction. How do we make every interaction in our lives better? Whether that's one-on-one -on -one conversation with a stranger, whether it's the way we talk to our families, our significant others, our, our friends, mm -hmm. to the delivery man, to the person we just meet in a park. It's those interactions that make our, our life that much more enjoyable. So I think what I encourage people to do is to start rethinking that definition. And a way you can do this, so you can think of public speaking as something more empowering that will make your life better, is this question, which is, how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? Hmm. How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? Hmm. If everyone pondered that question, we would start to think public speaking as a way to make a difference rather than a chore that we do at school or at work. So that's probably number one. Yeah. Number two is probably rapid repeating, right? So think of it like this. Let's say you want to play a new instrument, right? You want to learn piano. You want to learn the flute for some reason, which nothing wrong with the flute. And you're, you're doing this. So what do you do? You try a bunch of different songs, you try to figure it out, but you realize over time that, wait a second, especially in regards to piano, if I just practice one song 50 times, people will think I'm really good at piano. 
So let's say me and you, we go to like a nice fancy black tie event. I don't know why we'd be there. You know, there's always a piano there. It's for some reason. So you sit down and you're like, you play that one song that, you know, and everyone's like, wow, George is so amazing. Can you play another song? You go, not tonight. And then you stand away, walk away. And I was like, wow, he's so mysterious. But you only know one song. So people think you're amazing. Right. And you are in that way. But we don't apply that same analogy to public speaking, even if we do it with any other skill, like cooking, you cut the same vegetables over time. Yeah. So when we think about presentations, we're always presenting new presentations. Hmm. So school, there's a new one. Work, there's a new one. And then we're always switching. What the best speakers in the world are doing, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, they're presenting the same damn thing yeah. all the time. Right? And Tony Robbins is probably the best example of that. He's been doing the same damn seminar for 40 years. Yeah. And he's a master at it. Yeah. And he's a master. It's always the same thing. Like yeah. day one, believe in yourself. Day two, let's walk on some coals. Day three, actually, I don't even know what happens on day three, but it's all. And people, you know what the craziest part of all this thing? There's people who come back to that event again, knowing it's the same thing. And that goes to tell you that it doesn't matter what the topic is. As long as you care enough about the topic to present it a lot of times, yeah. that's how you'll avoid that mistake in public speaking and mastering. Mm. That's the second one. Third mistake is dinner conversations. Mm. I always like to say counterintuitive things. People are like, what, what does that mean? So what this means is most speakers, or rather great speakers, think about their audience, but exceptional speakers obsess over them. Mm. They understand who they are, what their psychology is, what do they care about, what is their belief system? Mm. Going back to this interview, why did I agree to the interview? I agreed because I like talking to the people who watch my videos. I actually do 20 interviews a week doesn't really add much value to the business. I do it so that it adds value to the mission. Yeah. Why is George watching my videos? Why does he bother? I'm wearing a suit. This guy probably doesn't even like suits. Right? He's probably, right? Like, why, is he, why is he doing this? I, I understand. Once I was doing an interview, George, and uh, it was with uh, this guy who was owning it. He owned like an animal sanctuary. Yeah. Like, completely the opposite of me. He's like super vegan. Really nice guy also. And I was like, why do you watch my videos? And he was like, oh, I can raise money for the animal center. Thanks for giving me the confidence. You just never know. Yeah. Whereas most people, most speakers don't spend that time getting to know the people who watch them, getting to know the people who share their ideas. And it's that lack of insight that makes them bad on stage because they're not able to actually tailor their presentations to the people that actually need to hear their message. Yeah. Well, it's like, if you think about it, it's, you could have one of the greatest minds in the world, but if you can't communicate it well, your audience isn't going to follow you because you're not going to either have the presentation or the delivery or charisma. And that was another video that I actually just recently watched was your debate um, kind of talking about what is more important content or delivery. And I really thought like the right when you started the video, I was like, well, of course, content. Content is, you know, so important and everything. But then as you explained that if it's not delivered well, it really doesn't matter like just how well or like it doesn't matter how much you put out there. If people don't have a good avenue to receive it, it's just not going to it's not going to gain traction. And I really thought that was super interesting because now when you think about it like that, it makes you think about which people have gotten as far in life as they have. Uh, being able to deliver their public speaking skills well. You know what I mean? So one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, um, in your opinion, 
who are some of the greatest speakers of all time? And then uh, also, in your opinion, who would you say could be more than they are today if they had public speaking skills? Oh, that second part is real juicy. Yeah. That's really juicy. That's, I've never been asked that. That's really good. So I would say that... Mm, so, so I would say that the first part is, is very subjective, right? Who's the best speakers? And I've got hundreds that I've studied. And I always like to name drop one because just my favorite person. And I think people should follow him, which is Scott Harrison. He's the CEO of Charity Water. And I think he's a great example of someone who, who uses outcome-based speaking. So for him, when he speaks, it's not about like him making money. It's about raising money for the charity, right? Charity Water. So whenever he speaks, he always has to tell the stories of others. He needs to be so engaging or else he literally loses tens of thousands of dollars in donations, which is kind of crazy when all of that's on the line and you're the only person who's standing in the way of helping all of these people get access to clean drinking water. So he's just someone I very much respect, not necessarily because he's the best speaker on the planet. Going back to part two, I think if he had a bit more coaching, he would get to that next level yeah. and uh, hopefully that'll, that'll work out. Yeah. stay tuned for that but but the point i'm driving is um in scott's case what, what i've always admired about him is the work that he does and the quote that i'll share from from his talk that i'll just never forget and that's what that's the quality of great speakers for all of us yeah. is is this and he says the goal is not to live forever mm. but to create something that will and i just went wow i was like that's true he's right mm. and so i think that's that's probably one obviously there's many other gary v i'm a huge fan tony um, seth godin i think he's just savant and presentation slides. I think it's just amazing. In terms of speakers who I think could do better, gotta make sure not to overstep here. So let me think about this. <laughs> that's a tough one. Oh, ah, that's tough. I think Gary, mm. even if he doesn't care because he does such a great job in the circuit, mm. I think there's a couple of things, and he's fixed a lot of it over the years, but I think there's a couple of things he can do to keep his authentic energy but still communicate probably 10 times better, I would say. So yeah. some examples of that is I think he can leverage a lot more lower vocal tones in his speeches. So some, some of his keynotes, he does that really well, where, where he, practically, he, goes, he goes really low he goes, and he goes really personal. But, but because most of his format is Q&A now, this is the way he structures his keynotes, yeah. he, he doesn't bring that same level of, he doesn't have enough time in the speech to bring down the vocals versus if he had an hour. You're really dissecting me now. This is really, because I really have to think about, it's taking an hour. To me, by the way, like it, I've never thought of like, kind of how this is an art form. So it's something that I think my audience listening to this, I think they'll find it really interesting. But of course, continue with what, what you're saying. Yeah, of course. I hope you find it interesting. It's great. Well, if you find your preview audiences. So I think if he had a full hour instead of he was speaking, he would leverage that more. But now that I'm thinking about it as I'm talking, it's another way to kind of buy time by those who are listening. I would say there's two other people that I think if, I, like, if somebody like me trained them, they would be way better. They, they just don't have time for it anymore. And those two people are Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. So yeah. Elon, for obvious reasons. Like there's a lot of easy stuff he could fix, like easy stuff. Like if I, I wish I had like two hours with him in a room, which is, I could just fix that like right away. Yeah. But that's one, but he doesn't have time. He's running like 70,000 companies. Fair enough. Right. The, the other person is Peter Thiel, who's the founder of PayPal. Lots of respect for the guy. His book is literally my Bible. Mm. And I, I respect the way he communicates also, but I think there's easy ways in how he can improve as well. That will make his message heard by a bigger general public. Cause not many people know about Peter, even if he literally started every company with Elon Musk and funded all of them. 
right? So, so, uh, so, so that would be my two. I'm sure there's a lot more though, but it's a great question. Love it. Cool. So uh, moving a little bit into politics, not going to ask you where your loyalties are because that's just such a hot button issue nowadays, but did you happen to watch the inauguration by chance? I didn't, but I can comment on politics as general if you want. Well, well, the question that I wanted to ask was Chris Wallace from Fox News was talking about uh, Joe Biden's inauguration speech. And Chris Wallace said it was one of the best inauguration speeches he's ever heard. Now, we both don't have the content of that speech and everything. But I did want to ask you, as far as politicians go, uh, who do you think are really good public speakers and have made it as far in their career as they have because of their political skills or their public speaking skills? Hmm. I'll be honest when I say that I don't follow politics that much okay. and not because I have a specific loyalty. I'm actually, I'm actually a, a po- po- I call, I think somebody calls it, a, I think Peter calls it uh, being a political atheist or yeah. kind of in the middle. And you kind of just ask yourself, well, if Republicans and Democrats, I'm based in Canada, but you know. I'd call that libertarian. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I just call it if just Republicans and, sorry? Just wanting to mind your own business, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I meant more in the sense of like, you know, if Republicans and Democrats both eat the same Big Macs, watch the same Netflix specials and go to the same parks, so they're really that different. Like, it just doesn't right. make sense to me, right? That it seems polarized when it's actually very centrist. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. But but I think f- that's why I don't really like to follow politics and study politicians. Maybe I should do, maybe that's an improvement point for me personally. But the reason is because it's a very different style of public speaking, because all of it is um, fabricated in the back end. Yeah, it's a very different style of public speaking. Once again, respect to those speech. Co- I personally don't take on politician, po- uh, political clients unless they're like, like I know their hearts in the right place. Like there's one in particular that I'm I'm going to work with soon potentially. Like besides her though, I, I I really don't I don't I don't I don't really go near it because a lot of a lot of the what they say is already decided in advance word for word and is fabricated by an entire team. Like this is not like a off the cusp kind of real deal like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You know, I got my suits on and, and mass structure. I'll give, I'll give you that. But, but like when I'm on a podcast, I'm super real, like you know, super casual. And that's that's the type type of public speaking that I'm really into. So yeah, for that reason, I don't really study politicians or pay much attention. It just gives me negative energy. I don't need. Though I should probably do that because it'll get me a lot more views on the YouTube channel. So I'll take okay. that as a, an improvement point. Cool. Uh, so well, then now transitioning into more of the kind of everyday things that more than likely people have to deal with is uh, speaking at weddings, right? Uh, my best man, he did a tremendous job at- Congrats, at, congrats on the wedding, by the way. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, but the one thing that, and he doesn't care if I talk about this though, he delivered the speech great, but the one problem that he had was that the paper in his hands wouldn't stop shaking. And that was because that is his worst fear. And he did it for me and I was super proud of him and everything. But like, he literally said, I would rather fight a Bengal tiger than give this speech. And you know, he still did it and he still did well. But with that being said, most people have to give a speech at some point at weddings. What would your advice be for preparing to give a, you know, wholesome classic wedding speech? I I see why you have a following. Your curiosity is very fascinating to me. I love it, man. Good stuff. Like lots of interesting questions. Yeah, the, the way that I think about weddings is first of all, we got we to gotta train our minds to kill the cards. Mm. We don't need cue cards. 
right? This is a moment, like that's the way I think about it. So a special moment for our man, George is getting married. Let's figure out how to do this thing without the cue card. So how do you do without the cue cards? Because it's a scary thing, right? It's like, I'd rather fight a tiger. I'm definitely not there. I, you know, I'd rather speak than fight a cat. Like that's uh, <laughs> not as strong as maybe your best man is. But the way I think about it is usually wedding speeches aren't very long. You know, if you're a best man, you speak probably five minutes, right? Give or take. Was it? Yeah, sorry, probably. I'd say about four minutes. Yeah. Okay, probably. Good. So, and, and your best man probably knew he was the best man like five years before. Right. You even got engaged. He was like, I'm the best man, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so he knew. So the second you get engaged, what I would do, let's say I was the best man for somebody. I actually am going to be in a couple of months as well. Hopefully I get to go to the wedding. Yeah. Is uh, you prepare it in advance. So essentially what I would do if I was him, I would write down the speech like the like he did, like the full four minute, but I would just practice it in front of groups of people that aren't you yeah. in the context of your example. So let's say your friend wouldn't practice in front of you or else it kind of kills the surprise. But if I was him, I would practice it to other groups of people, you know, do a like club and do it like 50 times until he just knows it to the, like the back of his arm mm-hmm. and then do exercise that are a bit harder. And one of those exercises, since you've binged my videos, you know it. It's the random word exercise where you pick random words and you just create presentations out of thin air. So that coupled with writing the actual speech will improve that resilience, that flow. So that way when he gets to the actual you know, wedding, he's like, well, this is great. Like, let's just do it that. And he's going to be a lot less stressed. Whereas I'm guessing, because just true 99% of cases, even if he was your best friend, he probably prepped that speech uh, two, three weeks before the actual thing. Oh yeah, no. He told me he had uh, he had been actually doing some of those things. He was reading it and reciting it in front of his family. He gathered his family in the living room. Really? He was kind of going over it back and forth. He never. Right, but he had cards on. He had cards, right? Yeah, he, he, he has he to had, do it without cards. Yeah, so he never like memorized it all the way through. He had a paper, but he would still like kind of just you know he's like, hey, does this sound good? Type deal. But. right so so and that's great by the way you got a sick best friend uh, best man like good on you man uh, awesome and it's clear just by looking you're such a nice guy seriously <laughs> but uh, the one i want to drive is the challenge for the next that that in you know your friend for the next wedding like, not yours somebody else's right fingers crossed, is uh, the do, doing that exact same thing but without the cue card because now that you know the support system isn't there you got to play right right that's the key in the same way by the way when you, you want to go from a four-wheel bike to a two-wheeler, when you're on two-wheelers, you're not going to go back to four, mm. right? That's yeah. weird, right? Yeah. So same thing with this. The second you go, you leave cue cards, they're gone. That way you don't have that support anymore, and you know it's just on you to deliver. And if you present at that level, over time, your anxiety will go down. Yeah, cool. So uh, another thing that I want to transition to is – basically so i go to southeast christian church and it has a congregation of about thirty thousand people but in the auditorium there's nine thousand chairs uh our pastor speaks there obviously every sunday in front of nine thousand people but i also know that he is in a men's group of about 10 people if you were in that position and you had to give a speech to 10 people and then to a room full of 9,000 people, would you have a different method of preparing for a 9,000-person speech and a 10-person speech? Let me build on this because yeah. I really want to make sure I nail this because you're, you're very thoughtful of your questions. Is, is it, do I have the same time for both cases? 
yes, let's just say you've got a month. Let the just a good. Amount. Oh, in terms of length of the speech, so it would be thirty thirty. Let's say in both cases, thirty okay. minutes. Of speech. Yeah. So you're giving a lesson basically. You're going to give a whole presentation, and it's whatever the presentation is. Let's say it's the exact presentation. It's the exact same one. Do you prepare differently to speak at nine thousand people than you would to ten? Absolutely. And it's a thought experiment for me to I actually think I'm, I need to make a video on this and all the other questions you asked me today. So that's it. So feel free to send me that after. It'd be a great, a great gift for me. But uh, the, the key is, um, you're absolutely right. The way, the way that I'd prepare this is different, not in terms of the content, but different into which content, I, what content I prioritize. Right. So I'll give an example. In a 10-person room, the, the, the energy, and you know this, is different. Right, because you can talk to them. It's a very informal discussion. You know, it's like, oh, Phil, do you want to interrupt me? Oh, George, do you want to interrupt me? There's, there's kind of like that, that uh, give and take, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Similar to a workshop or a family dinner. That's kind of a good analogy we can use. But in, in a 9,000 person conference, the difference is it's like a YouTube video. So what do I mean by that? Uh, what I mean by that is even if um, you have questions, I can't really answer them. Right. Right. So like same thing with the YouTube video, like, you know, you can ask me questions because I'm here, right. but the other, you know, f six, whatever the sub count is, unfortunately, you know, they don't have a podcast. So I, I can't make time to talk to all of them. Yeah. So if they have questions, they, they don't, they don't have access to me. Right. Cause I'm just a screen on, on the computer. Right. So, so because of that, I need to present in a way to make sure there's no, um, there's no room for ambiguity mm. in some ways. Yeah. Generally speaking, of course, there's always going to be exceptions, right. right? But but I think the key is you want to present in a way where people go, okay, I can take action on this right away. Mm -hmm. like, this is incredible. Um, and I can just run away with this information and make my life better. You can still do that in the 10-person room, by the way. Yeah. But the difference is the energy you bring is very different. It's a lot less theatrical. I think that's a good way of explaining it because you can say the same content, but if someone wants to interrupt, you have all the time in the world, 10 people for 60 minute keynote, 30, whatever. You can just answer their clarifications, yeah. but there you have to be a lot more thoughtful about the tips you use. So I would tend more to, and by the way, I'm making this up as I'm talking to, I really thought about this to be honest yeah, yeah, yeah. is at least explaining it. Um, like, a, in, like at, with my voice is right. I would think more towards how do I simplify? How do I use, my, my initial thought process would be, how do I make the tips as easy as possible so that even the six-year-old in the group understands what I'm saying? Because you said it's 30,000, 9,000 people, like lots of people. Right. So, so I, would, I would simplify it a lot more. And I think Tony's a good example of this, where when he does one-on-one -on -one or master, his $100,000 mastermind, he's a lot more technical with the NLP. He's a lot more specific to that person. But when he's speaking to an auditorium of 13 grand, you know, 13,000 people, he's got to speak in a way that everyone who's like starting or anywhere goes, okay, I get it. Like the secret to living is giving. Yeah. Right. You know, if you want to give more, you got, so it's very generalized messages. And Tony's obviously thoughtful about those decisions. So anyways, to make a long story short, I would think about simplifying the content, making it a lot more informal and theatrical, Right. And presenting it like a YouTube channel so that they don't have questions for me at the end. Nice. Well, cool. Well, we are getting close to uh, wrapping up time here and everything. Brendan, I think you are awesome. And I think the craft 
that you are mastering here is going to benefit anybody who has the chance to listen to it. Uh, the third and final thing, or not the third, but the final thing that I did want to ask you about, because I did a little research, was Charity Water. I see on your profile that you're involved in that, and it sounds like you're passionate about it already. I want to give my audience a chance to uh, just learn about that as much as possible, uh, what they can do to get involved, how you're involved, and you know, just give me whatever you want on Charity Water and what my audience can do about it. For sure, brother. For sure. I think for me, the overarching question to think about as, as a human race right, is, is not what problem you're most passionate to solve. You know, we've, we have so many problems in our society. We also have many solutions. But the question I always like to ask that nobody thinks about is what is the world's easiest problem to solve? Mm-hmm. So when you think about it from that lens, we can all agree. Right? If we think about, let's say, gun regulation in the States, you can have a lot of tension. Some people believe one thing. Some people believe another. And there's no right or wrong. I'll be honest. There's no right or wrong. There's arguments that are right on both sides and wrong on both sides. But if you think about water, you go to any extremist, any person, hey, you think everyone should should have water? They should just drink dirty water that could kill them. Oh, no. You know, probably they'll probably go to clean water. So when we start to focus on easier problems, especially in the context of that one, because it's solved for 90% of us. Right? Yeah. We don't drink dirty water. We don't even know what that is. Whereas yeah. 10% of the human population does. I think, I think we owe it to, to the advancement of the human race and to actually solving problems and making a difference to solve those easiest ones first. And that's why I'm a big fan of what Scott does, not just because his, he's an amazing storyteller. That's why I highly recommend his book, Thirst. I think it's an incredible guy, incredible story. But also because he's right. You know, yeah. if, you know, I think if there's anything we learned this year is there's a lot of tension between everybody, regardless mm-hmm. of race, ethnicity, and religion. And I think if we come together on the easiest problems. We all took ownership of one. We the world to have a lot less problems. In the same way, me, like I, I always like to say publicly, if I don't solve public speaking for the world, it's my fault. Mm. Like I lose. Like it's I, I screwed up. Like that's my fault. Wow. In the same way, by the way, there's like probably 40,673 problems in the world, let's say. So if every single person just did that for one problem, we would have no, we would have much less problems. Yeah. Right. So, so that's what I encourage people to do is focus on one or two problems. Like I only think about two problems, public speaking, because that's my thing. Right. right? And the water crisis, because the world's easiest one to solve, in my opinion. So I put all my energy, all my focus into those two things. And hopefully I solve both before I die. That's kind of the hope, but let's see. I love that. I love that. Cool. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I just, the, the craft is amazing. You're a master at talking. And uh, just before you go, obviously, because <laughs> master talk, right? Uh, let's plug your content as much as possible. Where can people find you? Uh, what, what is it all called so people can search you as easy as possible? Absolutely. So for those who are interested in the videos, you just go on YouTube and you type master talk in one word and you'll find me right there. Perfect. Brendan, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, Godspeed, brother. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you.